Hello and welcome. Grab your beer, kick back your feet, and get ready to talk all things sports. Well, I guess for you, just listen all things sports. But this is Two Beers, Please. I'm Matthew Smith, joined as always by my good friend Yannick. Been one hell of a week for all of us, so we're going to try and take a mental break from it all, just focus on sports here. Take it nice and easy. we got Pac-12 joining the fold of college football on a weekend that's filled with crucial ranked matchups, two games in particular that should have, uh, one of them particularly will have college football implications, but another one certainly could come into play later on in the season. We got the MLS regular season finishing up this Sunday, and we'll take a look at the upcoming playoffs there. And of course, we'll talk NFL and we'll make our picks for the weekend. Um, just a warning, Jan, we did not do well picking games last weekend. <laughs> I know. I didn't even. I didn't even look. It was, that was bad. Like- <laughs> I didn't. I didn't look at first. Like I didn't look on Monday or Tuesday. Like I just didn't do the tally. But I knew in my head, I was like, I don't think we did. I was like, I know I did. Wet. I didn't do wet. Like well. I don't really think Yannick did that well either. And then, like, as I was going through it, I was like, oh, no, we did very, very poorly. So I I will update those records, but uh, don't don't yeah. expect anything too, too uh, flashy. Hey, you know what? We were doing decently well before that. So, you know, we're 500 now. I'll take it. I'll take it. Exactly. There you go. This is why I don't bet every weekend. Actually, I don't bet at all because I haven't set up my betting account. Which I think is the best thing. Like it's one of those like steps that I'm just like I've been too lazy to really do, and it's probably saved me a lot of money. I'd like to think it. I'm like, oh, I could be making so much money betting, but that Not that's what everyone thinks. That's what everyone thinks, and hardly does that ever actually become the case. Right. Once you got that money, which which we both which we we both know you will. Once you got that money, you can bet all that money. Once you got that money, there you go. I'm kind of like a scared better though. Cause like once I, once I start doing well, I'm just like, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm up. So I kind of would just rather take it and uh, I'll see y'all later. Like I'm, I'm happy with, with where I'm sitting. Yeah. Same as I, the most I've ever won to bet was like $75. And I was like, you know what? I'm, that's Not as bad. good as, that's as good as it's going to get. I'm, I'm calling it. Yeah. I will. I think that's it's probably probably a better way to be, right? Right, exactly. That's how we still, you know, have house uh, roofs over our heads that way. <laughs> the time being, make sure you get over on those sites, the Two Beers Please Facebook pad page, page, our Twitter, Two BP underscore Podcast, the page, uh, and of course, Two Beer Please underscore Podcast is the Instagram page. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, all the different podcast platforms. And honestly, I said this the last time I hosted, but leave a review. You know, seriously, let us know what you're liking from the show, what you'd like to see more of, less of. Any sort of constructive criticism is truly appreciated for us. It kind of helps us figure out where we can uh, take this little bad boy as we keep on talking sports in in an actually kind of normal sports world. Uh, You know, guys... It can be hard though to find our show on the internet. You know, it's it's hard to find anything on the internet. The internet's full of, of basically everything, and finding your way around it can be, uh, you know, it, it can be a drag. It's it's just tough. How do you figure out all these pages? Of, of course, there's Google, but wouldn't you like a, a little more refined way to perform your internet searches, Jan? I know I would. Yeah, absolutely, always. Ask Jeeves allows you to surf the web at 
admittedly a slower pace than Google with results that are not quite what you're looking for, but you get to treat Jeeves, the search butler, like a real pompous asshole, just making your internet butler tell you random information whenever you please, like who led the MLB in batting average in 1965. So screw Siri, ask Jeeves and get what you're searching for. Exactly. Screw Siri. Siri isn't Jeeves. You can't replace Jeeves. Yeah. You, you can't witch. handle the Jeeves. You robot. Oh my goodness. Ask I'm Jeeves. Sad we, wow. Instead, we didn't go farther down the like as computers and internet and technology that we didn't go down the, the robot butler path more. Like this Siri was more like a 19 or an 1800s Victorian aid. Yeah, I agree. We should. I mean, that's where we're headed. Once everything clears out, robot butlers for all. Yeah, I mean, you can't complain about that. Jan, how are we feeling today? Feeling okay. Uh, you know, we're not going to get into it. So, like, feeling okay. You know, I got I got a run in, so that's always good. The weather was nice today in New York, so uh, you know, all everything's boarded up, but but the weather was. <laughs> was nice which, which is actually kind of just normal for this year like right exactly like you, you walk by a place that's just and functioning at you know normal pace well actually if they were you'd be like what that what are you doing like what's your secret what's happening over here what's happening over here yeah actually the place where i work at um they took the boarding down today and in my head i was like that seems a bit premature <laughs> It does. I told, I was talking to Haley today and I was like, I've just, I've won, you know, I've decided my new conspiracy is that the both sides were just like, Hey, we know however this goes, it's gonna, people are gonna be riled up because that <laughs> they just are. So why don't we, we'll take a few States and we'll just drag out the last four, the last few votes. And we'll just make people so exhausted from watching inter- or election coverage for days that when they finally, when the news is finally announced, they're all just, they're too, they're too exhausted to, to do anything. They're just like, ah, you know what? Week, it's been a freaking week waiting for Nevada. I, I don't, I don't give a shit. Whatever. Have you, have you read all the stuff about, you know, Nevada's taking the longest to put in their votes and their 50th in education in the country. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> Which is like Las Vegas. If you can't count, what are, what are you even there for? That that has to be something, guys. Come on. No, but uh, yeah, it, it's... I mean, I'm not going to lie. If that's their strategy, I mean, as much as I hate to say it, I'm there. I'm like, I am. Absolutely. I'm, yeah. I'm like, I, I'll, let me just know so I can figure out how to act next. But and, let me I mean, know. I probably wasn't going to like destroy anything anyway. That's, you know, not really my, my way, but that's not my regard. Move, I agree. But regardless, you've, you've worn me down enough where it, where if it was going to be an option, it's no, no longer. It, it's totally ruled out. Exactly. It's like, you know, it's like, a, a boxing, you, you don't want to get knocked out in the first three rounds of boxing, but if you lose in the unanimous decision at the end, you kind of, it's there. You know, Lomachenko, if he had gotten knocked out in the first round, he would have been a lot madder. At the end of the fight, he was like, you know, uh, I mean, we'll see. I don't, we'll see what's next. <laughs> yeah. But as you know, as you said, a trying, trying week for, for everybody. And, you know, they kind of, these, these days always are. Uh, that's just the the way of the world. But 
I, the one funny thing I did see was I, I had a friend of mine who she had on like her Instagram story. It was her watching the news today. And with the caption, it was just like, it feels like I'm in one of those movies where you relive the same day over and over. And I was like, that is, that's so that spot is on. Accurate. Like the, that numbers, is... the numbers aren't changing. Like every, it's just the same. And you're like sitting there expecting things to, to change. And they're not going to because you're stuck in some Groundhog Day loop. Yeah, I'm just glad I'm not one of those reporters. I mean, I, I hope they're making triple overtime oh my for gosh. this. Can I wondered about that. I was like, they have to. They have to be making dough right now. And I wondered about that. I was like, this has to be like a good. Right. I mean, who does it. more stretching? D- DK Metcalf or Wolf Blitzer? I'm not entirely yeah. sure. <laughs> he is standing. Chris, for- Chris Jones, dude. Oh, he wasn't Chris. Me. Like he was talking for, I, I swear, like 48 hours. I Impressive, impressive human being. Oh, it's so funny. He's just like, and if you see here, well, it's the same. But if you see here. Damn it, it's the same. <laughs> yeah. But he's like, and this, this could happen, and then that could happen. And like, I mean, I don't really blame them for that. They they have to fill TV time. But it, it is funny how all of us are like, we're still going to tune into this. I like tune in every, like, you know, few hours or so, what have you. And, like, I usually can – I can last – I can watch it longer than I thought I could. But usually, like, 30 minutes max, and then I'm I'm like, I need to – I can't take it because it's just talking in circles at this point. Yeah, we all know, like, we all know the percentages. We all know how many people are left to vote in the state of Georgia. Like, I could, I could run that. That's that newscast now. Put me up. Put me up. I could do it. I've got all the details. Right. I know the states. I could give you the scenarios. Easy. Anything you need to know. Every, every, yeah, every option, every possible thing that could or could not happen absolutely Jan what are we uh we drinking tonight because obviously gotta gotta have a beer tonight I know you're I know there's not coffee in your cup this evening oh no there is a beer in front of me and 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 not to not to uh not to show my cards here too much but I am drinking a blue moon (laughs) love it I like yes that's that's all I'm saying drinking that's obvious that's yeah I mean if you fans if you can tell that's Yannick showing his uh true affinity for the Twilight series it's really I I wait that one's new moon right that's new moon but you got it no no you got it it was absolutely that it was a take on new moon (laughs) that is my favorite there probably is a beer beer called new moon like there's probably like 17 beers called new moon are you kidding me? Absolutely. If not, like brewed in someone's basement somewhere. <laughs> like, absolutely. Oh, my buddy my Craig, God. he's got a mean new moon, bro. He's got a nice pilsner in the basement. It's called New Moon. <laughs> he just reads about Jacob and Bella, and he just he drinks all of his Twilight inspired lagers. I don't want to know this person. I don't know. I don't want to know this person. He's a unique individual. He's also a serial killer, my friend. <laughs> no, he's too 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 busy homebrewing and reading and watching twilight fan of, of the books and and the movies oh my god Rare. what are you drinking today buddy i can i just got a classic old medello with the <coughs> Ooh, love it love it love it i gotta start having cans again i've been doing bottles and matt's stealing all my can noises i, I normally I, get can, like it was the, vice versa for a while because i was going mm-hmm. bottles and i kind of i sometimes i like bottles more and then i was like i miss i miss doing the and it's at the beginning of our podcast it's perfect yeah it goes well with that 
that great sound design. You'd think Sean recorded us live. He didn't. And that's inside scoop. That's one of those real inside behind the scenes things you get to see. That'll be a sweepstakes answer one day. A sweet. Once we start doing this, I thought about that once. I was like, we should do like quiz questions and then like give out really random gifts. Um, I like I have flowers, those. like flowers to your grandma. Like we'd send like flowers to someone's grandma. Oh, I love that. Let's do that. Let's do yeah. that. So flowers to your grandma. People, stay tuned. If you want, or if you don't have a grandma, we can we can figure something else out. Yeah. Anyone you want to get flowers. Absolutely. But they do have to be. But they do have to be um, grandmotherly. We'll we'll figure out a definition for that later. Yannick, why don't we talk a little bit of sports, please? <laughs> All right. Knowing every before we talk too much about grandmas, knowing everything we know about the current season, uh, you know, from the effects of COVID to injuries, who looking back, who would you now take if you had the number one pick in a fantasy league? Yeah, I mean, I I got real lucky in two of my leagues and kind of unlucky in one and then absolutely got trashed in the other. So, you know, I, I had Derrick Henry in two of my leagues and I wasn't the first pick, but at this point I'd pick him. I'd pick him first. I would. So, uh, I, you know, I, I, I definitely think he's in the running, you know, in our league, I had Saquon Barkley, obviously didn't even take three games before he was a complete bust. Uh, if I had to repick, you know, I'd take Alvin Kamara with the two, and you know Christian McCaffrey as well. Like, will, time will tell. He comes back this week. You know, is he the right number one pick? I'm going Alvin Kamara though. You know, I'm I'm going to say Alvin Kamara. I think you know most. So of your answer, started, your answer is Kamara. My answer is Alvin Kamara. All right, because he stopped at Henry for a sec. Right. Yeah, I was going through the seat like I, I like if weighing if all my, your options, laying all my options. But I will Kamara. say Alvin Kamara. He's, He's got the most scrimmage yards. He is the focal point of that. Not that Derrick Henry isn't the focus point of, of the Titans, but like, you know, he sometimes gets it in late. And 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 with Alvin Kamara, especially with how up and down Michael Thomas is going to be coming back from the injury, I suppose. Like, I think he's really going to just continue being that focal point. And he's been a monster. I, I like people don't people think he's a monster, and they don't even realize how much more of a monster he is. So I would say Alvin Kamara. No, was a top four pick already. You know Zeke Elliott did admirably up until the Cowboys, you know, reached irrelevancy. So I, I wouldn't pick him. Obviously Saquon Christian McCaffrey getting injured. So yeah, Alvin Kamara is my pick. What about you? Yeah, I mean Kamara's doing great, and he kind of. He was top top five, top ten like two years ago, and last year kind of regressed a little bit. So I was I was someone that like I was like I'm not sure I trust him, and he's been killing it, which is nice to see because he's also just a really fun weapon to watch. Um, I think probably to you know distinguish, we're in a PPR league. I think in a PPR league, it's kind of tough to say anybody but Kamara. But when I was looking at it, I was looking at it from an, another league of mine. So and I, which I actually didn't even know, which is not PPR. And from that perspective, aided big time by four touchdowns last week. But I, I go with Dalvin Cook. Um, I think he's arguably go. been the fit, best fantasy player. Even even in a PPR league, he's been killing it. You know, with Kirk Cousins' inability to really do anything, he's been crucial uh, for that offense to run or to, like, work at all, um, as well as being a safety valve for Cousins. Um, scored over 20 points in four of the six games he's played and scored at least one touchdown in every single game. I think too, like the place where Minnesota's at kind of aids him 
in like the going game, like coming games, because I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. But with Kirk Cousins contract and Mike Zimmer being on the hot seat, hot, like they're going to have to compete. They're going to have to try and at least win in every game. And for them to do that, they're going to have to use Dalvin Cook. So I think, like I said, I think in a PPR league, because Kamara does still get a lot more receptions than Cook, um, it's tough to, to go anywhere but Kamara. But if you did, I would go Cook. And yeah, for our league, you mentioned it. Um, just to touch on like top picks, I actually had Derrick Henry in our league. And I, I took him sixth, and I've been pumped. Third ranked running back, averages 21 points a game. Only gone under double digits once and like six highest scoring flex players. So very happy with Mr. Derrick Henry. Yeah. I mean, he's been amazing. And I don't know, people were expecting a regress somehow. You know, they always do when someone does a monstrously well, they're like, but he can't do that well again. And well, with the him, it was just like one of those things where it was like, all right, like everyone's going to pack the box and like they're not going to like. Because the run, the thing, you know, the running game is like, you know, what's coming. Like there's so many variations on a run that you can do. And yeah, it's insane that he's still been such a be like, you're so right. Yeah. I mean, I've just never seen a player like him. Like even when he gets stuffed, I, I just, he, he just is so dominating on the field. Like I, I would never pick any defense to beat him, you know, like no matter how good he's just so he's like a specimen of sports. Truth I wouldn't, I truth would truth. not go that far. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, I, think that, I appreciate, I appreciate the sentiment, but I, I mean, that's just more my belief in the running game. I, I love Derrick Henry. If there's any running back to believe in, it would be Derrick Henry, but I just, the running game eventually, as we saw in their playoff run last year, like it can take you far, but it is, it is not uh, 1950 anymore. A limited o- offensive game, uh, sadly. Although, you know, the schools of Navy would probably argue against me. Yeah, of course. There's always teams that are like, power running, yeah. But, you know, what, when's the last I mean, time a team like that actually won? Yeah. Uh, there, I mean, there's probably a reason I mentioned a college team and couldn't really think of a, well, uh, uh, like a pro team that's offensive philosophy is just run, run, run. But we have seen it still be – I mean, the Eagles made the run. The running game is is not super dead. I just – you know, having it be your uh, hallmark of an offense can be – sometimes it, it can it can catch up to you in the end. But uh, let's talk a little more football, Jan. Let's talk about college football. Uh, we mentioned Navy. We're not going to talk about the Navy game. I'm sorry, midshipmen. Um, we are going to talk about Brigham Young and Boise State. Brigham Young, 7-0. and Boise State, 2-0. That's – such a weird thing to see like a team one team going in playing their eighth game the other one only playing their third but big game for both these teams um Brigham Young a little bit of a possible dark horse they are ranked number nine right now um so possible chance to maybe sneak into that football playoff uh what are you seeing from this game Jan yeah I mean it's like you said it's so hard to call because you know, they're both undefeated, but, like, can we say the same stuff about boy? We don't even have, like, the stats to really put them up against each other. So it becomes hard to say. But uh, regardless of, of maybe this is unfair to Boise State, I think this is all about, you know, the BYU quarterback, Zach Wilson, known as the the Mormon Manziel. You know, he's a junior. He's got uh, 2,152 yards throwing, 19 touchdowns, only two interceptions. He's been 
absolutely stellar. He's a, he's actually on the Patriots watch right now in terms of like them getting a high draft pick. So I, I am excited to keep watching him play and, you know, he's got a good connection with his top receiver, Dax Milne, you know, 42 receptions, 706 yards, six touchdowns for that wide receiver quarterback duo. So they've just been doing really well. You know, uh, Boise State has some stuff, you know, to look at. The quarterback hasn't been like the most like explosive player in the world, but they do have wide receiver Khalil Shakir, a junior. He's two. He has got in two games, he's got 213 yards and two touchdowns. He actually has 213 of the quarterback's 291 yards throwing. So he is obviously so far the focal point of that offense. It'll be interesting. You know, I, I think I'm picking BYU because they have more games to like talk about and they've still undefeated. So I'm going with that kind of as my logic. But, you know, both both score uh, 44 plus points a game and both allow less than 22 points per game. So really it's going to be which defense can hold up against the explosive offense. Obviously, you know, averaging 44 points in two games is harder than averaging 44 plus points in seven. So you have to give it to BYU. And that's what I'm doing. So I'm picking BYU, you know, riding Zach Wilson to the win in this one. What about you? Yeah, I mean, you, you talked about BYU seven and zero for the first time since two thousand one when they went twelve and two. As I kind of mentioned, they are a, a dark horse college football playoff contender. Probably would need even more help than Cincinnati, who we talked about last time. I mean, I, th- I think a lot of things would have to fall in in you know their favor. But um, you know, they are they are undefeated and they are ranked number nine at, at the moment. For me, you know, unlike kind of the old championship teams of, of Brigham Young in the 80s, it, it's not really the offense that I, I look at when I look at the Cougars. It, it is that defense, giving up 13.4 points a game, only 281 yards. Boise State, I think, is probably the best team that BYU has played. Um, and as you mentioned, Boise State looks strong offensively in those his first two games, um, but not the toughest of co- competition. Bluefield always is a tough place to play even without the fans, but I am going to pick BYU. And and I, it's kind of for the same reason. It's just the fact that like when you're playing your eighth game compared to your third, like you're, you're in mid season form, like you're, you're rolling. And especially, especially for a team that's seven and oh, I mean, maybe that wouldn't be the case if BYU was two and five, I wouldn't be like, yeah, since it's their eighth game, they're going to win. But since it's a team that clearly is very confident and knows who they are and knows their identity, why, Third game of the season, you you are still kind of, especially this season, figuring things out because of the weird offseason with COVID. So I, I just think BYU being so much more in their season is going to be the the big beneficiary for them and and help them get the win in what should be a good one. We're going to stay out west for the next one. As we mentioned, Pac-12 finally here. We're going to talk about Stanford and Oregon. Oregon and USC both, I think, have a chance at the college football playoff out of the Pac-12, but they'll need help. Uh, probably not as much help as BYU, but they will need some help. They can't have any hiccups with with the conference as, as far as COVID goes. I think they'll both they would both have to go undefeated, and I think they'd have to go undefeated in style. I really do think they'd have to be impressive in the majority of their wins. Um, as far as Stanford goes in this game, you know, David Shaw is one of the best coaches in the country, but Stanford has regressed a little bit the last couple of years. Meanwhile, I, th- I think Mario Cristobal is really on the cusp of something special in Eugene. We've seen what you can do when you maximize that program, uh, as Brian Kelly did. As far as Pac-12 goes, I personally think USC has a better chance at the college football playoff because of the arm of Kendon Slovis. 
He was terrifying against the Hawkeyes, and, and the guy's got an absolute cannon. But as far as this game goes, I'm going with the Ducks to pull away in the fourth quarter and beat Stanford. Jan, where do you see this Pac-12 matchup going? Right. Hard to say, of course. You know, it, you know, if, if Oregon was coming in full strength, I would pick Oregon hands down. You know, I think that they're they're still the favorite to win the Pac-12. You know, and the question for me is, can they make a run towards the playoffs with the shortened season with only playing seven games? You know, but, you know, we had a lot of opt outs for Oregon. So and a lot of opt outs in important positions. So it'll be interesting to see how they recover. I think that it's not going to affect them too much. I think it might keep them from being as elite as a playoff spot might require. Um, but that remains to be seen, you know, an undefeated Agreed. team. Yeah, an undefeated team in the Pac-12 deserves consideration. Doesn't deserve the spot necessarily, but definitely deserves consideration. I'm picking Oregon in this one. I definitely think this is a this is like the game in the Pac-12, you know. I, I, I definitely think it's going to be a really fiery start to the season, so good for them. You know, I think the person to watch is C.J. Verdell, you know, Pac-12's top returning rusher. He's been called explosive, kind of like a Saquon Barkley-esque player uh, for Oregon. You know, how how does he play? I, I think that's kind of going to be the big factor. Maybe if he kind of comes in and, and dominates, that's a reason for Oregon, an undefeated Oregon, to make the playoffs if you have a player like that. Um, but yeah, I'm picking Oregon. There's just like not enough for me to pick Slovis over Oregon in this case. Of course, Slovis is great, but but I'm I am picking Oregon as well. Yeah, well, and you know, the, probably the biggest thing too with Oregon, even without, even with the opt outs, Justin Herbert was basically a four year starter. I mean, he took over, uh, you know, mid season as a freshman and, and then started till he was a senior last year. So you lose a quarterback like that, especially a quarterback who was, who was that good. And, and we're even seeing it more now in the pros. That's, that's a tough thing to, to make up. So we'll see how Tyler Shaw does under center for the Ducks, but should be a good one. Next matchup, Jan, is the game of the week in the Big Ten, and it is a, a weird game to be calling that. And it could have been yeah. even more exciting if the Wolverines would have actually up, you know, upheld their part of the bargain and beat Michigan State. We're talking about the Wolverines out of Michigan going to Bloomington and playing the 2-0 and Indiana Hoosiers. Of course, started off the season with that big win against Penn State. They're ranked 13th now. Jan, tell me some of your insight on the Michigan-Indiana game. Right. I mean, in what world is me claiming that Indiana can beat Michigan? Like, not a hot take. Right. Like, honestly, it's ridiculous. This, I mean, and this is more a a commentary on on Michigan and John Harbaugh's relationship, right? Like, it's time. I think it it is. Is it for you? I think, I think so. I, 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 no, just, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not asking if it's time. I'm asking if you think, you think Indiana being favored in this is more about Harbaugh and Michigan, and like their oh, lack no, of no, no, their no. lack. No, no, no. I, I, okay, I okay, okay, okay. The storyline to follow in this one is that Michigan should be better, and they're not. And I think it has a lot to do with the coach. But I, I, I for do sure, for sure. Right, but I, but I mean, taking nothing away from an inform Indiana team. I mean, no, no, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't trying, I wasn't like trying to put words in, in your mouth by, by any means. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, do I think Indiana is better than Michigan? Not necessarily. Do I think Michigan is vastly better than Indiana? No, absolutely not. You know, it, it, it really, for me comes down to who can perform better, you know, at the QP position. Cause that's where both these teams live and die. 
You know, you got Michigan mm-hmm. quarterback, Joe Milton. You know, he has 525 yards and one touchdown, you know, and, and 111 yards and a touchdown rushing. So he's been doing okay, you know. And, and then, of course, in Indiana, you've got Michael Penix Jr., you know, sophomore quarterback, 408 yards, four touchdowns, one interception, kind of more of a classic, not so much of a rushing running uh, quarterback, but, uh, you know, really deadly with his arm. You know, I, I, I want to believe that Michigan needs to win this game, so they will. But like I said, I, I just, I think Indiana's too hot. I do. I really just think Indiana's too hot. Michael Penix Jr. has so much belief in himself. And I think the Harbaugh-Michigan relationship is coming to an end. You know, so I, I just, I'm picking Indiana in this one. And I think Harbaugh get, gets, you know, uh, it, there's a mutual parting of ways, you know, imminent between those two. It does, it does feel somewhat inevitable, but it's also, it's felt, it's felt kind of inevitable for years. So I've Yikes, wondered, right? I've, I've wondered how the, the COVID pandemic will affect coaching changes because I, I think, I think if, I think most schools even right now would, would, would want to hold on, but Michigan has, I mean like that, that loss against state, like you, like you said, they can't beat Sparty. They can't beat Ohio state. They, they can't beat the rivals. And, and now you've got a game here where, it is like it's a storyline of, of a Michigan team that looked looked good against Minnesota. Of course, maybe Minnesota is not the team we thought they were, but feeling the a Michigan team that feels underwhelming and an Indiana team that feels very much on the up and up. Um, style wise, they they do like they they are similar. Um, but as you said, both powered by dynamic quarterbacks uh, who both they can both create plays with their arms and their legs. Um, it feels weird picking a ranked Michigan team to to lose to Indiana, but this Hoosiers team is like they're legit. Like you said, Michael Penix is legit. That two point conversion he ran in against Penn State is the play of the year so far, um, and I think he's going to make another crucial play late in this game. And Indiana is going to stay undefeated and take down Michigan. All right, yeah. next game, Jan. It's the first of two top ten matchups that we're going to be talking about, and it's a battle basically for the SEC East crown with the winner most assuredly meeting Alabama for the conference crown and a spot in the college football playoff. We're talking Florida and Georgia, the largest cocktail party, outdoor cocktail party in the world. I don't think they're allowed to call it that anymore, which is lame, but <laughs> I'm allowed to call it that. So I will. The largest yeah, outdoor cocktail party in the world, Jacksonville, Florida. You know, I, like we said, it's it, the, the path is we've talked, you know, so much about all right, Clemson and Alabama seem in Ohio State seems in who's the fourth team. Who's this? You know, as far as teams that are out right now, there's no no team has a more clear path to the playoff than Florida and Georgia. You know, you win this game, you win out. They're going to make the playoff like there's no there's no ifs and or buts. There's it's not a Notre Dame or a Penn State situation before where we're like, well, they're going to have to tie. And but no. Either one of these teams wins out, they will be in the college football playoff. Georgia's defense, great again. Probably better than Florida's, but I think like I think Florida's is, is just as opportunist, opportunistic, if not more so, uh, in when creating turnovers. And that's real crucial when you're going up against a quarterback like Stetson Bennett, who we've seen before, turnovers ending Georgia's chances in Tuscaloosa. I think the quarterback play is the difference here for me uh, because I don't think Stetson Bennett can make the plays against that Florida defense. While I think Trask has made the improvements as a quarterback 
to make those plays for Florida. Uh, and, and Kyle Trask also is helped by having Kyle Pitts line up at tight end, who is as good as any receiver in the nation. I mean, he's got seven receiving touchdowns. Stetson Bennett has seven passing touchdowns himself. So I, I think the quarterback play for me is the difference here. And I got Florida winning the largest cocktail outdoor cocktail party in the world. Jan, who are you picking in this SEC East battle? Well, Matthew, we share a mind for this one because here's what I've got down. You know, you're right. It's the path to the four and to the top four for one of these teams. And it's absolutely the end of the playoff hopes for the other. So, you know, everything's going in this one. I mean, I've, I, I can't remember another game, you know, not at the very end of the season that was like this, where it's like, this is it. If you win, you're in, you, you have a chance to be in. If you lose, you're absolutely out. Like, that's what it is. And, and because the season's so short, it does feel like it does feel like that cut. I yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's crazy, and it's going to be so exciting to watch. You know, pros for Florida. You named him right now. Kyle Trask, thirteen forty-one yards, eighteen touchdowns, two interceptions, one less than the BYU you know quarterback, but still you know playing amazing. You know, exciting. Going to be in the pros. And and Kyle Pitts, three hundred fifty-five yards, seven touchdowns. You know, with less than four hundred yards, that's crazy for me. He, he's, like you said, as good as any other receiver in first the league. Round, first rounder next year, without a doubt. First rounder. Patriots, if you're hearing this and you don't get a quarterback, get Kyle Pitts, you assholes. Anyway, let's keep going, though. Georgia has some pros. Like, you know, do I think Florida's defense is so much worse than Georgia's? No. But Georgia's defense is allowing 16 points per game. Florida's allowing about 30. So, you know, that is a pro for Georgia. They're allowing 300 yards per game. Florida allows 433. So that's definitely a pro for them. Running back, also a pro for Georgia. Zamir White doing well so far. 90 carries, 402 yards, six rushing touchdowns. They rushed like 175 yards per game to 133 for Florida. So they got the slight edge there. But you mentioned it, Matt. The big factor here is how does Stetson Bennett play? Because we know Kyle Trask is going to play well, and we know that the Georgia defense is going to play well. But we've talked about it. Stetson Bennett is not a convincing quarterback. He's got five interceptions. He's only thrown seven touchdowns. Kyle Trask has thrown 18. Like, that's almost three times as many. And 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 it's not like the teams are so less talented. It's not like the wide receivers are failing him. He's just not that quarterback. And you know what's crazy? He has the same pass attempts as Kyle Trask, and he has almost three times less touchdown throws. That's ridiculous for me. That's, that is the story of this game. How does Stetson Bennett play? You know, Stetson Bennett could come out there and prove himself. That would be great. If Stetson Bennett comes out here and proves himself, I believe Georgia. I believe they go to the top four, but I just don't think it's happening. I'm picking the quote-unquote upset with Florida as well. You know, you have to say it too. Georgia's faced only one quarterback remotely like Kyle Trask, and they lost to Alabama. I think they lose again because Bennett is not their savior. Yeah, I mean, it's just it, – I, I after watching that Alabama game, it's it, how do you not, like, just question, like, damn, if this team had just a little more – and, you know, he's not a horrible quarterback. Like, he's, he, he's, got, he's got them as a very good team. It's just, like, you're not quite a college – I just don't think they're a college football playoff team, and he, he just doesn't have quite the – Quite a, a much as much gusto as as one needs. Jan, the big big game of the week, another top ten matchup, a top five matchup. What's been called the biggest ACC game in quite some time, and you know, in the odd year of twenty twenty, here is Notre Dame going into an extremely important conference matchup. 
These are strange days indeed. Who would think that Notre Dame football would be competing in a, you know, a highly anticipated conference battle? But that is where we are. It's Clemson. It's Notre Dame. Give me your insight into this one. Yeah, I mean, I can't believe that in a week where Florida and Georgia are playing for like the top four spot that we're talking about another game is more important, but it's it's true. And it's and it's because there's no Trevor Lawrence. And you know, Clemson looked good when they rallied from behind against Boston College. Obviously, Uagalele, you know, showed his stuff, you know, in the second half, especially, and we talked about it. And they still have Travis Etienne, you know, 606 yards, nine touchdowns. They have a running game. And their defense only allows 15 points per game. So it's even better than Georgia right now. So, you know, they, they it, it, people who think, you know, all not having Trevor Lawrence, like absolutely dense Clemson's chances of beating Notre Dame, you know, they still have a great chance of beating Notre Dame. It's still very much in their power. But Notre Dame, you know, also has an elite defense. They've got a reliable senior quarterback, Ian Book, you know, only one interception, seven touchdowns, so not like a crazy number, but only one interception. So he's like really reliable. Their offense scores 34.8 points per game. Their defense only allows 10.3 points per game. How does that match up against this backup quarterback? I mean, I think that's the factor here. Can the backup Clemson quarterback, Wagalele, can he come out here and say, Trevor Lawrence is your now, but I am your tomorrow. That's what he has to say. That is, this is this, this is the moment for him to say that. And, and, you know, it's going to be defensive slog. I think we all know that because you have two great defenses who together, you know, average 13 points allowed per game. You know, the Notre Dame offense, while they're, they're pretty good, you know, against a Clemson defense, I think they're very much outmatched, but you don't have Trevor Lawrence to beat this Notre Dame defense. So I think, you know, you have the same situation on the other side of the ball. It's going to be a defensive slog. The X factor is Uagalele. Can he break down that Notre Dame defense if needed? I'm I'm picking Clemson barely. I'm I I I am I'm, I it's a toss up for me. I am picking Clemson and you know Matt, I love these history writing stories and I think that the backup quarterback writes his name and you, when we we talk about him for years to come as this was the game where he proved that he was the next, you know, the next Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, it's a it's an intriguing battle, you know, I mean, you mentioned Notre Dame's defense, they have been stingy the last three games, only giving up 28 points total. Um, the one, the only good offense they've played really is Louisville. And in that game, they did hold Louisville to seven, but their offense only scored 12. So you don't know, like, kind of an odd, odd showing of like, oh, you really shut down that great offense, but you also offensively didn't do as much. I, I think that's just what's going to be the Notre Dame's undoing. I, I don't think they'll be able to move the ball enough because I do think this defense – probably would even even against Trevor Lawrence be able to to battle a bit but going yeah. up against Uagalele is certainly helpful end of the day you know Uagalele is the third overall recruit from last year and i think having that that game against BC is is what's going to be the big difference for Clemson i, I think they're going to look different we saw him throughout that game settle down show the skill he is Show the skill that he has. I mean, like the the guy is a, a superstar recruit and and is supposed to be a star. And we saw that as the game went going. It was just here. You're getting thrown in your first game. Let's see how you do. And and some of the mistakes that were happening too weren't even on him. So it was you know a lot of things kind of going up against him. But we saw the guy kind of calm down. So I think having that game 
Like if he was going up against this Notre Dame defense without having done anything, I I would be a, a little more worrisome. But he's been hit. He's thrown a touchdown. He's he's run on the field. He's he's played the college game, which I think is is going to help him just be more settled against Notre Dame. Um, I think Clemson wins by ten, and Notre Dame I think will need it to be closer than ten for it to really not hurt them resume that much. Um, and, and they especially can't suffer a blowout. I, I mean, if they suffer, you know, more than 10, you know, touchdowns, several touchdowns or so, they're going to need a win against Trevor Lawrence, uh, a Trevor Lawrence led Tigers team later on in the season, I think to have any chance of making the playoff, but should be a good game. Top 10 matchups out of all the, all the games we talked about, except Oregon Stanford were ranked matchups. So, a real, a real stocked uh, week in college football. We do have to talk about the Hawkeyes. Jan, expecting from our Hawks against the Spartans. Hey, we're six and a half point favorites right now. I was... Yeah, but how? Come on. That has more to do with, know. like, I have no idea. I, I wouldn't. Vegas Vegas doesn't care. Vegas makes the odds. They don't. Yeah. I mean, they're the, okay, most, trustworthy, so... they're the most trustworthy people to, in sports because all they care about is getting it right. Right. I mean, <sighs> You know what I was thinking today? Because I knew we were going to talk about this game. I was thinking, you know, as bad as those two losses felt, and they felt bad, Northwestern is better than we want to believe they are. And That's what I'm saying. And Purdue, you know, we didn't lose by a lot to Purdue. It was a bad game and it was a bad loss, but it's not that like we got blown out. You know, we, we our defense did what they had to do and our offense just couldn't finish. You know, so, you know, we have some obviously X factors going in about like Amir Smith-Marset's not going to be there. So, like, who can step up in his place? Obviously, there's plenty of receivers who can, you know, and Tyler Goodson also. But, you know, I I, I think we can beat Michigan. I think they had a great game against Michigan, but I also think they always play well against Michigan. I, I do. You know, there's something else in there. You know, it's like the Patriots play the Jets this weekend. We'll talk about that. You know, the Jets are the worst team in the league, but when they play the Patriots, they have a chance, you know, like it's just always like that. And it's a rivalry thing. So do I think six and a half is fair? No. Oh, Matt. Yeah, that seems a little large. It gives me a it gives me a bad stomach to say this, but I'm going to go with the Hawks. I'm going to say they get off the board here and uh, I (laughs) I have no faith, but like, you know, it's rock bottom for Kirk Ferentz. You know, it's rock bottom. Like, let's get a win. You know, that's what I got to say. At some point, rock bottom has to end. I don't, I don't, I just don't know if it can get any worse with everything that's happened in the last week. So. <laughs> I don't know if you, 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 you haven't been a Hawkeye fan long enough. I'm not calling rock bottom yet, but yeah, I, mean, I have I you a, make a right. good point. Like we've, 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 uh, two, two losses by a total margin of victory of five points. Um, against two teams that are a combined 4-0 right now um, in close games. Like, it, we lost upsettingly, and I think th- that is, like, what's hurting Hawk fans a lot. And, and they're both games we should have won. But there are – and I know I've done it too. Like, we're all acting like we went up against two really bad teams and lost by 50. We went up against two teams that are probably better than we thought they were and that we probably could have beaten and should have beaten but barely lost to. Like, end of the day – it's not all like falling. Like they're not going out there and getting butt fumbles and just getting demolished. So uh, I agree with you. I, I, Michigan State always plays well against Michigan. Rocky Lombardi had the game 
of his life against them. He is coming back to Iowa, the Valley kid. Um, so, you know, that might inspire him to play a little bit better. But most of what we've seen from Lombardi is uh, le- leaves you wanting from a little more. So I think the Hawks can get it done. I, I agree, though. Six and a half. I don't, I don't know about that. That seems, it seems a little big. That seems a little generous, but I'm glad you yeah. give it to us, and uh, hopefully we don't disappoint you, Vegas. <laughs> right. Absolutely. But yeah, should be a great college football weekend. Hawkeyes, hopefully we'll get a win. Regardless, we'll just uh, we'll watch all the top ten matchups to uh, ease the pain if they disappoint us again. Now, Jan, we take a, a look towards the MLS. The final day of action is this Sunday. Both conferences still positioning to be done in each of one uh, in each of them playoff spots up for grabs top seeds up for grabs why don't you uh take us kind of through what the western conference is kind of looking for and who you're uh, or kind of looking like and who you think are, are the favorites to get out of the western conference right i mean what a weird season for mls there's been so much stuff going on and and the rules that they've come up with to kind of figure out who gets in the playoffs is kind of ridiculous, but you know, it is what it is in the Western conference. Eight teams are going to qualify directly for the playoffs right now. You've got sporting KC in the lead position. You got the Portland Timbers, you got the Seattle Sounders and you have Dallas FC are kind of the best teams in the West. So far sporting KC in the lead, you know, they're only two points ahead of fourth place Dallas. And also like they've played, less games you know sporting KP has played well way less games than the sounders and the timbers uh so you would think they have a game in hand no they don't have a game in hand because the mls has decided because so many games have been canceled the main contributor to like standing projections is points per game and not points total so they kind of automatically benefit from having played less games granted they still played well but you know that becomes hard like are they actually the best team I don't think they are. I think the Sounders and the Timbers are both better teams than Sporting KC. I think Sporting KC has performed well, but I definitely think the Timbers and Sounders are much better teams. But yeah, that's what it looks like right now. Sporting KC, Timbers, Sounders, Dallas in the top four. Then kind of to round off the playoff picture, you've got Minnesota FC kind of keep, you know, we always say Minnesota, like, you know, they're always surprising, but at what point are they not surprising? And are they just a good team? Like they are. You and Minnesota United, they they are a good team. They are right above LAFC, if you can't believe it. And then you got the Colorado Rapids and the San Jose Earthquakes. The Rapids, I like. I hate that they're in the playoff picture. They played only seventeen games, and granted, you know, not fair to them that their games have been canceled. But like twenty three is going to be like the uh, max for a lot of teams, and they've only played seventeen. Like that's completely uncomparable. But I mean, it's the rules that are there, so can't really complain. Uh, they are in the playoff picture. Um, really, the only team that has a chance. I mean, no, that's that's kind of it. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm going to take that back. There's only one game left, so those are the those are the teams that are going to be in the playoffs. We'll see who ends up where. Whitecaps are six points behind, so one game is not going to do them enough. You know, you know, you would think they're. <laughs> My goodness, they're like behind the they're in front of the Rapids on points, but not really because it's points per game. So that they kind of lost it, and the LA Galaxy and Houston Dynamo definitely out of the race. Uh, disappointing season for both of them, especially LA Galaxy. You know they're going to need some answers. 
But the Western Conferences look good. You know, you look at top performers. You got Diego Rossi picking up where he left off in the MLS Cup. 14 goals to lead the Western Conference in goals and to lead the MLS in total. You also have Raul Rui Diaz from the Sounders, 11 goals. Jordan Morris, also from the Sounders, has nine goals. So there you see it. LAFC, they're not in the top position, but they have top performers. Sounders have two performers in that kind of category. And guess who else is behind Jordan Morris in scoring? Bradley Wright Phillips, eight goals for LAFC. So there you go. Sounders, LAFC kind of leading the leaderboard here. And now tell me if this sounds familiar. In the assist category, Jordan Morris leads eight assists. Brian Rodriguez, LAFC, six assists. So there you go. You have more Sounders LAFC players leading in the stat categories. Does that mean everything? No, but it is a trend worth noticing for the playoffs. I think LAFC is better than their position states, and I think the Sounders are the best team in the league right now, at least the most talented team. Uh, you know, you have Villafania has five assists for the Timbers. Pulido has five assists for Sporting KC. So you have players all around, obviously. But this points per game rule is going to be really interesting. I think teams are going to end up in playoff positions they don't deserve. And good teams are going to end up in lower positions that they don't deserve. So I think you're going to have a lot of upsets in the first round. You know, I, I think. So what would probably- be, what's your solution to that, Jan? Because I personally have no issue with it. I don't really see what they're supposed to do. Um, and I, and I, yeah, I mean, I don't really know what the alternative is and, I like, yeah, I guess it's dangerous to assume a team would get points, but uh, vice versa, it could be dangerous to assume a team doesn't get points. So I, I guess I, what would your solution be to, to it? Since, because like, clearly you're, you are not a fan of the, the points per game thing. Right. I don't, I don't. And that's the thing. That's why exactly why I say like, it is the rules. Like, because I don't, if I had an alternative with everything going on right now, I would give it to you. I would say, why aren't they doing this? I don't have an alternative. So while I am not a fan of it because I think it it does become like the Rapids have played 17 games. Most of the other teams have played 21-22. So I don't think the Rapids have performed well enough to be there. Is it their fault though? No. How how can you say they haven't performed well enough when points per game wise, they have performed well enough. They haven't gotten the chance to perform points wise total as, as much as other teams, but performance wise they have. They've performed, but that's exactly what I'm saying, though. Like, I, I agree. It's not their fault. And then what are they supposed to do? They could have won out more. But I'm saying it, it is going to be skewed regardless because you're saying that you're assuming that the Rapids would have continued at this pace when you don't know that. What what teams did they miss out on playing that they could have lost to or could have won against? You don't really know. So I'm not saying that there's a better option. I'm just saying it leaves us with an incomplete picture. And and there's and, – and again – I don't have a better option. It was probably the best option on the table considering all the all the uh, cancellations. And I, I'm not saying that someone doesn't deserve to be in there. I just think it's a bad draw of the hand for some teams and a good draw for others. So I, I, that's what I think. I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are higher up that maybe if everything had been played out would be lower and vice versa. But at the end of the day, it is the rules and, and it is what has been decided. And in this crazy year, you got to go with it. So, you know. That's where I. That's where I'm at. I think. I mean, I, I get where you're at, but I think it could be. I mean, you could look at it from from the exact opposite perspective too, and be like, oh, it, you know, like it, this team's not. This team's getting more than it deserves. This team's getting not getting what it deserves. Like it. So it feels kind of equal in that sense. And I, I mean, I'm also of the belief of if you can't be one of the top, uh, what is it, eight teams in the West, ten teams in the East with points per game then you probably weren't the best team anyway. So 
Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, it, it, I, 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 like the, if, if the champion, if the best team in the MLS couldn't get in with this format, then they weren't the best team in the MLS, you know? Right. Fair, 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 fair. That is, that is true. And like Whitecaps being six points behind, regardless, they don't deserve to be in and none of the other teams do too. So I, I'm not saying Rapids don't deserve to be in the playoffs necessarily. I am saying like where they would have ended up is kind of, you know, up to, up to the imagination, but you know, like I said, I don't have a, I don't have a, um, I don't have a solution. I just have talk. I don't have a solution. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you just want to complain about it. That's fair. Um, yeah, yeah. that's, uh, the West, the West looks interesting. My, my other question for you is, so if you had to pick one, do you go Sounders as a favorite? I would assume is LAFC because you've been a big LAFC fan since, since Orlando, are they still one of your top favorites in the West? Have you eventually fallen off the bandwagon a little bit, or what are your thoughts on them? Oh, I've never fallen off the bandwagon. I still think they perform well in the playoffs. They have too much talent not to. Them being in the playoffs means that they're going to perform. And I told you right there, you look at the top scoring list. You have Diego Rossi at the top with 14 goals. You have Bradley Wright Phillips right up there, too, with eight. And you've got Brian Rodriguez at the top of the assist goals. You know what that tells me? It's they've had some bad results, fine, and they've got some defensive issues, but they have the talent there to beat anybody. And I would not want to be any team in the West playing against LAFC. Do I think they're the best team in the West anymore, though? No, I don't. I think the Seattle Sounders are the best team in the West. That's who I'm kind of hanging my hat on at the end of the day in this Western Conference. I think Raul Rui Diaz and Jordan Morris are absolutely killing it. I think that whole team is very secure. I, th- I like the Timbers as well, but I, I definitely go Sounders above LAFC in my head. Whereas before, you know, coming out of the MLS Cup, I would have still gone LAFC up top. All righty. That's, uh, that's Jan's look at the Eastern Conference, or the Western Conference, pardon me, for the MLS. I'll take us over to the Eastern Conference. Still two spots open in the East, the 9 seed and the 10 seed. DC United, Inter-Miami, and Atlanta United, all still with a chance to get into the playoffs and get those last two seeds. The uh, Montreal or Montreal Impact, pardon me, and Chicago Fire currently there in the ninth and ten seeds. Only two points separating the Impact in ninth from DC United in thirteenth. Those teams actually play this weekend. I think DC United is going to get the win over Montreal, and I actually I also think Miami is going to sneak in. Um, so I, I'm picking DC United and Miami to sneak into the Eastern Conference playoffs this okay. weekend. Nashville Red Bulls and the New England Revolution. All in a position battle for six through eight seeds. Uh, and interestingly enough, they're all matched up with the teams fighting for the top seed in the East, Philadelphia, Toronto, and Orlando. Uh, Philly and Orlando, another team, you know, from 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 the bubble in Orlando. Have, you know, they've carried their uh, their success over from, from the MLS's back tournament. And I, I favor those two to get the top seeds. Um, Toronto's, you know, Toronto's one of those teams where you're, you look at them and, and they've got the names and, and they've been there before, but this year haven't been quite as – they just haven't had the performances that, that a team that skilled um, should have. I, I kind of feel the same way about them as I do about LAFC, where um, you can tell me all the, the names on paper and I, I can know how good they all are um, when you tell me them, but the results I'm seeing on the field is something different. So I, I favor Philly and Orlando to get the top two seeds – in the East, Columbus and New York FC at four and five. New York FC could jump the crew uh, while the crew have a shot of, ch- of catching Orlando in the third. I don't think 
Either of those will happen. I think Crew will sit at fourth and NYC FC at fifth. Going in the playoffs from the Eastern perspective, I, I do think that Philly, Toronto, and Orlando, I know I was just kind of bashing on Tran- Toronto, but I do think they're still in that threesome of kind of separating themselves from the pack in the East. I talked before, though, about my kind of things that hold me back on, on picking Toronto. So from there, it kind of goes between Philly and Orlando as my favorite, and I go with Philly. They, As I've said, you know, mentioned the, the bubble down in Orlando at the MLS's back tournament. They were one of the best teams there. Uh, and, and they've been one of the best teams throughout this regular season. They don't have the big names, but they're just a, a strong team throughout. One of those teams that, you know, just embodies that team mentality. Plus 22 goal differential is the best in the league. Only allowed 20 goals this year, which is tied for best in the league. Uh, and just look really poised to make a, a, a cup run. But for me in, in the East, I, I also, I just, I really like the crew at, at that four seed. I just, I, they, they're a team that always, it just makes noise in the MLS playoffs. And uh, I, I think they seem like a very dangerous dark horse. Um, but uh, Philly is still my favorite. And that's uh, kind of how the MLS East is looking. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be exciting playoffs. Something else to note, just because we brought up LAFC again in your take, Carlos Vela wasn't there a lot of it. You know, Carlos Vela just came back. And I think Carlos Vega really makes that team. So I think LAFC is going to be a lot more dangerous going in, uh, which is why I'm kind of putting them more high. I love the crew. I love the crew. I think they've just got such a great mentality over there and the names to back it up. I, I, I do think that's a great dark horse team. I'm pulling for NYCFC, of course. Of course. Heck yeah. Of course. Heck yeah. We hope Especially that after can... last year's disappointment in the playoffs. Right, exactly. We hope that they can they can rectify some things and, and do some upsetting rather than some disappointing. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. Toronto is a playoff team. The, they, they just are. It doesn't matter how well they perform in the regular season. They show up for the playoffs. So it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. And Philly, you know, Philly's been good for a couple of years, but can they make the next jump to like winning, the, you know, winning in the playoffs? That's like their their big kind of burden to to get off their shoulders. And uh, they used to I'm do ex- it all the time back in the cup. But yeah, it's been it's been, I think, over a decade since they've really been. I mean, back in the early two thousands, it was they were there regularly, and it's they've they've lost that. Right. I mean, they've lost it. But you know what, Matt? If there is a year. For a team to get it back, it is this one. Now or never. <laughs> well, Jan, I mentioned it earlier. A bad, bad week for us. Um, just did, did not do well. You went two and five. But uh, don't worry, because you still got a game on me, as I went one in six. So I combined, I combined three and 11 for the two beers, please podcast. I pray to all gods, um, the present and the former that you didn't turn to us for betting advice last week. Right. I mean, that's true. But on the one hand, Matt, three and 11, we're in the lead in the NFC East. (laughs) (laughs) We've got a firm grasp in the NFL. We have a firm grasp. We're one game away, baby. Overall, Jan, you're now sitting at 15 and 14. I'm at 17 and 12. So hopefully this weekend will be much kinder to us. I'll take the first game. I'm talking the Broncos and the Falcons. Falcons favored by minus four. Denver completed one of the most impressive comebacks of the season, especially when you consider how poor that offense had looked, not even just in that game, but – in the last few weeks, but 
Drew Locke apparently gave a Newt Rockney-esque speech at halftime, and the Broncos rallied to kind of save their season from collapsing. They really stay in the, in the playoff race with that win. A uh, win here would, would really get them back in there. Atlanta, been abysmal at home, been just poor all year. That defense, perfect defense for Drew Locke to kind of get back into even more rhythm. But for some extremely dumb reason, I, I still have Matt, faith in Matty Ice and those weapons. I like, I don't, I don't know why, but I look at this oh. game and I think, I think, oh, they'll beat the Broncos and they probably won't, but I'm going to pick Atlanta to cover the minus four spread. Yeah, it's hard because you always want to pick up. Atlanta can beat anyone. They just don't. You know, it's it's yeah. kind of crazy. I, I, I find it hard to like, except for like the very best teams. I think Atlanta can be anyone if they just put it together sometimes. But man, I did you see Drew Locke dancing? He's got some swagger. Dude has some swagger as the quarterback. You know, that's what you need uh, as, as like a young guy coming in. For like what you said, like you said, abysmal offense. So, you know, I I, I like the pick though. You know, never want to go against Matty Ice. You know, never want to go against <laughs> Julio Jones. Picking against Julio Jones just seems dumb. So, I like the pick. I like the pick. I think it's definitely going to be a toss up. Uh, see if the Broncos defense can hold out the Atlanta Falcons high flying offense. All right, I'm going to a matchup of one in six teams. It's the Texans against the Jaguars. Two one-win teams coming off the bye, but finally one team is going to get their second win. Congratulations to whoever that ends up being. You know, both coming off a bye, there's no game to, like, look at in terms of coming into this game. (coughs) The Jags are super inconsistent. You know, Deshaun's great for the Texans, but he's got no help thanks to the ghost of Bill O'Brien. He's still got Will Fuller. You know, no one thought he was going to after the trade deadline, but he does. So he's still got one receiver, I suppose, and Kenny Stills. But, you know, they're, both teams the NFL are playing. Trade, the NFL trade deadline is so boring. I don't know why they tried to act like it was going to not be boring this year. Right, because they somehow – and they were – oh, they were hyping it up. I mean, you can – I mean, as a Packers always, fan, you know it. It's always boring. You know it. I, I, they knew, were, they, I knew they weren't going to trade anything. I was like, they're right. not – this is not the MLB. I, why are right. we thinking that's the case this year, ESPN? Right. They're like, if the Packers don't make a trade for a wide receiver, they're done. That's ridiculous. I, I wish I wish it was the MLB, but it's not even like the NBA, where the NBA sometimes will have a lot of deadline deals and, and like action, and then sometimes it'll be boring. The NFL's is always boring. It just is. Right. And you know what? The way that Aaron Jones has ran the first couple plays here in the Packers game, I don't think you need anyone. He is back and better, baby. Oh my God. Get talking faster. I will. I'm so sorry. Anyway. I'm so slow today, you guys. Okay. So both teams are identical in points per game, points allowed per game, yards per game, yards allowed. They basically got the same numbers all around. I just have more faith in Deshaun to get it done. He wants to show that it was Bill O'Brien that was holding him back. I think I love my boy to get his second win there. Texans, I'm taking them. Uh, to cover the minus seven spread against the Jaguars. Yeah, I think, I mean, anytime you're minus seven away on the road, like it's kind of like this team should blow them out and they should. And that's why, that's why the Texans are so frustrating because they should not be sitting in the same situation that the Jacksonville Jaguars currently are in. Like, what are you guys doing? One of you, one of you is starting Deshaun Watson. One of you is starting Gardner Minshew. You you are not the same, but uh, unfortunately for them, they currently are. Uh, I'm going to talk about the Chiefs game next. 
going up against the Panthers. Chiefs favored by minus 11 this week, so a very low line for them. They were able to cover the absurd 19.5 point spread last week. Uh, and, you know, just the way they're playing, I'm not going to bet against them. I, I think Mahomes and all his weapons are clicking so perfectly, like a, like you see a defending Super Bowl champion do. Like Super Bowl champions, their teams just carry themselves a different way. There's a confidence and, and just an assuredness within the team, and you're seeing that with the Chiefs. I don't want to hear any Le'Veon, Clyde, backfield drama. This team is going to be fine. Those players are both going to get touches and impact the team fine. And, you know, really, and I'm a victim uh, – not a victim, a, uh, what is it? What's the word? A, uh, I suppose I, I do this too. I'll just say that since I can't think of the word, but this Kansas city defense is not getting near the respect they deserve. Um, You're they're guilty playing terrific. Yes. Thank you. There we go. Guilty is the word I was looking for. <laughs> That's your word of the guilty. day. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, the, the chiefs defense is, is playing really, really well. And if they keep playing like that with this offense, I, Look, we we know who's going to be holding up another Lombardi is basically what I'm saying. So Chiefs cover the the minus eleven spread. Yeah, I love that too. And you know the Chiefs defense is great. You know you can make any drama up about the Chiefs offense you want. The 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 truth is they have two great running backs. So whoever has the hot hand is going to do them just well there. Uh, let's talk about another big spread. Oh, the Cowboys, the poor poor Cowboys. I mean, you you lose big to Washington. You lose big to the Eagles. And now you got to play the best team in the league. The Steelers are rolling. They are hungry. I mean, they have a real belief in this team. You can smell it. They want to win, you know, and they're going to cover that 14-point spread. If the Eagles and Washington can cover a 14-point spread, then I think the Steelers' defense can handle it on their own, honestly. You know, they might just eat Ben DiNucci. Poor kid. He just wanted to make that backup quarterback money, and now he's going to get eaten. <laughs> just, what the hell did I get myself into? I'm just a quarterback from James Madison. I didn't ask no. for this. <laughs> I was going to be a business there was, guy. There was an all-pro and a veteran in front of me. I was supposed to be chilling. I was supposed to be chilling, but he's not, and he's going to get eaten alive in this one. Cowboys lose. I'm going to guess three touchdowns, and Steelers cover the spread. And a win against the Cowboys, they go 8-0. It's such a shame when I was was looking at this game. I was like, if Dak would have stayed in, and, you know, obviously the Cowboys season wasn't going great, but even if they just would have had Dak and still been able to – they'd certainly be doing better, you know, a lot better right now, and and knowing what the NFC East is, they'd be competitive – and like the Steelers, Cowboys, there's just those great '70s battles that they have, and it would have been such a fun game. So, a shame that it's basically going to be, as you say, the Steelers rolling. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to ask Benton to do much. I, I think this is going to be like a a half bye week for for Ben Roethlisberger, and and that offense and that defense are going to fly by the Cowboys as we. Uh, as most teams have, quite frankly. Uh, sorry, sorry, Cowboys. I'll stay in the NFC East. You, you mentioned Washington blowing by the Cowboys in a big way. Uh, they are going up against another division rival this week in the Giants. Washington favored by two and a half. We saw the Giants so, so close to a massive upset on Monday night over the Bucks. Danny Dimes playing played really, really well all night, but uh, he and the G-Men just could not pull it off. Washington coming off their bye after the aforementioned blowout over Dallas. 
Uh, and the game before that, barely losing to the Giants. So certainly a team that's feeling a little bit of momentum and, and playing well themselves. I've wavered on on Daniel Jones from the start. I, I wasn't a believer, and then I, I liked him, and then you know I, I go back and forth. This week, I'm going to put my faith in him. He's going up against a tough defensive line, and we know he can be turnover prone, so he will need to protect the ball. But I'm going to say the Giants go down to Washington and pull off the upset and, and easily cover that plus two and a half spread for them. Right. Yeah, I love that pick. I think they showed it against the G uh, against the Bucks that the G men are more legit than their record might show and that they're, you know, it's, it's very unfortunate the things that happened. I don't think people give that enough credit, but you know, I think that this is a game for them to rebound and get that win. I'll go to another two and a half point spread. It is the Ravens being favored two and a half points over the Colts. You know, the Ravens obviously blowing a 10 point lead against the Steelers and Lamar had four turnovers and an ugly loss for him. So, you know, they lost standout Ronnie Staley for the season. Hollywood Brown spouting on social media about how, you know, he's not getting the ball enough. And you have all pro cornerback Marlon Humphrey testing positive for COVID. And he played every defensive snap against the Steelers. So you have a lot of bad things happening in Baltimore, basically. And in the Colts camp, you know, we we, we ragged on Phillip Rivers and his performance. And he looked recharged last week. He looked absolutely recharged. And uh, they beat the Lions in a blowout last week when we thought maybe the Lions would be the ones that get the win. So, And the Colts defense still doing really well, still one of the top defenses in the league. You know, Ravens only two and a half, but I don't think that's fair to Lamar. He's got something to prove here. I think Lamar gets it done, covers the two and a half point spread. You know, Ravens need a statement after that loss to the Steelers. You know, especially Lamar needs a statement after that loss to the Steelers. And I'm just saying, let Lamar do what he do. Let's see Lamar from last season. Let's see it. I know that that's not how they want to play him. But, you know, when things aren't working, you have to go back to what has worked. So I think maybe against the stout Colts defense, that's not going to let them run like the Steelers did. I think that, you know, the Ravens go back to Lamar as we know him and that they get the win against the Colts and people start to believe in Lamar again, hopefully. Yeah, that, that two and a half points feels like a, a very um, just on the road kind of line because I, we've we've you know I, there's there's a lot to like about the Colts team and there's a lot to really question and as you said, Philip Rivers great last week, but for the most part he's been not great and in in a battle of two great defenses, <clears throat> I'm gonna still lean Lamar Jackson over Philip Rivers uh, every time. And, and I think this is going to be a game, you know, like we said, like sometimes Lamar, I, I think those big games, I think they do kind of get in his head. And I think that Steelers game got in his head and he tried to do too much. I don't think that's going to be the case for this one. We're going to be, we are going to see, as you said, kind of the more vintage Lamar, um, because I think he, I think he needs a good game. And so I think the offensive game plan is, is going to be based around making his life easy and uh, getting that offensive rolling because they, you know, they need the offense to roll against a good defense. Um Bears and Titans <clears throat> battling this weekend. Titans favored by six points. Bears last week, you know, put together a, a much better than expected performance against the Saints. It, it was one of those times where you, where you see, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, so that's how you became 5-1. That's how you beat the Bucs. Like, there, there are parts. <clears throat> the Bears aren't a completely horrible team. They're just a, a team that has some pretty glaring holes when, when those holes can get exposed. But Foles played well, um, and then they competed. Of course, they still didn't win, but I, I thought it was a good performance for a Bears team that was kind of reeling. <clears throat> Titans 
did not have a good performance. Joe Burrow getting his first big win uh, as they rolled by Tennessee, leading basically all, all game. Yeah, and I mean, after the heartbreak of last week with the Steelers, I, I, I'm not sure quite was what was happening. Um, you know, we, you look at this uh, these teams, I, I would take the Bears' defense probably over Tennessee, but when you compare the offenses, the Titans' offense feels – like what Chicago's like dream offense would be of just a quarterback like Tannehill and, and a running game like Derrick Henry. Um, so I think that offense will be a very big difference maker. And I see them covering the six point spread against the bears. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Titans, there's a lot of things that you look at that are questionable, but the Bears' offense is horrific and they've kind of put themselves in a hole now. And so, Unless they bring Mitchell Trubisky back in like some kind of crazy decision, I don't think that anything's going to change. And I agree. I think the Titans definitely cover that spread in a statement comeback win for them. All right, let's go to the AFC North, but not your team. It's two other teams in divisional battle. It is the Lions. It is the Vikings. Obviously, not to talk too much about it, but Dalvin Cook beat the Packers last week on his own, you know, the question is, how legit is, is Minnesota? You know, Dalvin Cook's legit. How legit is Minnesota altogether? Do they need to be legit? Does Dalvin Cook just need to do his thing? We'll see. The Lions defense looked bad in a blowout loss to the Colts last week. I mean, Phillip Rivers did well, but when you're getting torched by Phillip Rivers in like three different change of pace backs, that's not what you want. So I think it's an important battle for both. You know, can the Lions keep themselves in NFC North race? Can the Vikes show that they're still alive? It's definitely going to be a divisional statement game for both of them. With how bad Lions did against the Colts running backs last week, and I know their catching backs are different, but still, I, I'm I'm looking for the Vikings to cover the four the minus four spread on this one. Look for Dalvin Cook to cook, uh, and and I think that it's going to be another win for the Vikings, and they start to uh, inch back while the Lions kind of disappoint after. Uh, an important win for them earlier on. Yeah, that's. I mean, we saw we saw when the Vikings can be can be good. They're another team that's like, how are you two and six? Um, and the Lions, as you said, may, maybe they were going to be able to to turn that corner, but they got shellacked by Indy, and Indy's not really a team that does a lot of shellacking. So, I'm going to turn to the AFC West. We have an even line between the Las Vegas Raiders and the Los Angeles Chargers. It's going to be so weird someday. Sit my kid. You know, it used to be uh, Oakland Raiders and the San Diego Chargers. And then someone <laughs> older than me, and then someone older than me would be like, you know, it used to be the Los Angeles Raiders. And I'm like, well, this this was a fun activity. Anyway, as for the game, <laughs> Justin Herbert rolling before the Denver Broncos decided to wake up and, and make a game out of it in Mile High City. Mentioned that comeback earlier. Tough loss, but but you know, for a rookie like him and for where this team's at, I, I think it's it's a good moment to learn from more than anything else. Um, that that loss isn't going to define this season, and the Chargers weren't going to go on and, and win the Super Bowl. So I think it's a nice learning moment for a, a rookie quarterback. Um, and hopefully, you know, he'll he we will he will learn from it. Derek Carr, Raiders, still very much in the playoff content content. Pardon me, contention, uh, and earned a really nice, tough win in Cleveland last weekend with that sixteen to six win. I mean, that that, that was a battle. And te- Cleveland's a tough team. That's a tough defense and, and a team that does like to run the ball. So I was really impressed with that win by the Raiders. I love Herbert and the Chargers, but I, I just think the Raiders are the better team. They're just they're a little bit ahead of, of a young Chargers team. So I think the Raiders win and will easily cover the even spread because there is none. So 
Vegas wins. <laughs> easy, easy pick for you there. You just got to yeah. pick the winner. <laughs> exactly. Oh boy. Uh, no, yeah, I agree. I, it's it's definitely a toss up though. It, that, that's a fair betting spread. It's a it's a toss up because you know, do we see Justin Herbert surge? Do we see the Raiders' consistency more than the Chargers' consistency? Chargers have that blowout duck on their back. Can they break it? You know, do they keep doing it? It's going to be interesting to see. But I, I agree. I think the Raiders have every chance to win this game. I would be surprised if it stays even before kickoff. I, I think eventually it'll probably go at least minus one to to Vegas. Right, for sure. Or, yeah, either way, I think it'll be it'll be, depend on what happens if any players get COVID before then that, that they call they call uh they call. Once I just think I just think most people will start betting the the money on Vegas because I would bet mo- even money on Vegas and I think once once the more once more money comes in for Vegas they're gonna be like oh we need to put a line on this we can't we can't keep this even right exactly yep that's how it works that has how it works all right Matt I'm gonna get it over with the Patriots oh the Patriots um they play the Jets and I said last week you know this was the last time I was putting my money on the Patriots you know and they got so close and then Cam Newton did the one thing he couldn't freaking do fumbled the ball and uh the pat season's over but the good thing is they are still two games against the jets you know i put a heart emoji next to that uh in case anyone wants to know and yeah the pats are bad but they're not jets bad you know that the, you know they're they're minus seven in the spread which the fact that pats are minus seven against anyone right now is ridiculous you know the fact that it's only minus seven also shows how bad we are over the Jets. If it's only if it's under ten, that shows what you know what we've done this season. You know, I think Bill knows this is a game to make some people shut up. Not many, but some. You know, I think he goes for the kill, and I think the Pats win, covered by you know by win by ten, and I think uh, they get a win back on track, obviously against the Jets. So it doesn't mean much, but you know, sometimes when you're having a bad season and you're 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 you can't seem to get it done i think i think sometimes you just need that win against the bad team to get it get it going sometimes for sure sometimes sometimes it's just nice to to take the easy one and and find your find your footing again um which the jets are the perfect team to do that against uh fun kind of quarterback matchup i got here it's the uh dolphins going up against the cardinals Tua and kyler uh, of course, they did meet in college in the college football playoff. Tua winning that one. I think it's going to go differently this time. Cardinals are favored by four and a half points. You know, Tua earned a victory in his first start, but but it kind of feels weird saying he, he earned a victory. Threw for 93 yards and a touchdown. Didn't play poorly, but it, but it certainly wasn't Tua going out there and winning the game for the Dolphins. Probably, though, more, you know, a credit to Flores and, and that coaching staff to be able to win a, a football game like that. Like, sometimes... That's what you have to do, especially when you do have a run, young rookie quarterback like that. So bravo to, to that coaching staff. He, he and, and his staff have done an incredible job down there in Miami. But so is, is Kingsbury. Um, and I think, you know, it's time with Arizona. You know, they're five and two now. It's no more. All right, Kyler in, in Arizona. He's the next player. They're the next team. They're there. This is clearly a playoff team. And I think now the question is how much of a, of a threat for, for a Super Bowl run can they be? Um, the offense, I think, is there. It's more defensive question, but I think the Cardinals cover the four and a half point spread over the Dolphins and and, and in, win this one pretty easily. Right, I agree. I mean, the Cardinals have you know the best offense in the league statistics wise. So I think that uh, 
I, I think that's just like a testament to how underrated they are, that they have the best offense and are still somehow like not, you know, favored too much. Obviously, the Dolphins had a great defensive performance, but, you know, I also think they were aided by the other team. Let's be completely honest. So I, I think that, you know, we definitely see a different result here and to a taste his first loss, which is also important for a rookie quarterback to do learn how to rebound from that. All right. In my final game, it's the Seahawks versus the Bills. It's one of the top games of the weekend. You know, the Bills, obviously not the team that we thought they were. They did beat the Patriots. We're a little lucky to beat the Patriots. Obviously a great defensive play, but the Patriots had it in their hand to win that game. And I think as good as the Bills are, they should have had it better against the Patriots. So, uh, you know, they, they are the favorites in the AFC East, but how competitive they can be in the AFC as a whole is questionable. Seahawks, on the other hand, top team in the NFC right now, record-wise anyway. You know, they're favored by by three. I think that they win this one easy, though. I mean, the Bills showed against a hapless Patriots team that they're not the threat we thought they were. And maybe Josh Allen shows off with Stephon Diggs against a bad Seattle defense, but I, I'm still not convinced. Meanwhile, the Seahawks have Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf that can both go off at any point behind an MVP record-setting Russell Wilson. You know, maybe this is a high-scoring game, but even if it is, the Seahawks win this one, cover the spread. I, uh, you're, you're, you're not giving – Josh Allen, I mean, I, I give Josh Allen the benefit of the doubt, kind of as you were saying earlier, of, of division rivals. I mean, I think especially the one in the sense of the Bills and the Patriots, like you guys have dominated the division so long that it, even though you're not a great team, it is just one of those games where it was going to be a slog fest. So I personally give the Bills the benefit of the doubt. I think this is the perfect game for them. The Seahawks can't stop people, and the Bills have a good defense. I think the Bills can get more stops on a good Seahawks defense than that Seahawks defense can get on a pretty solid Bills offense at times. Um, so I'm hoping Josh Allen pulls it up, but it should be a good one. Our game of the week, Jan, is down in the NFC South. It's the New Orleans Saints. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers currently favored by minus five, five-point favorites. I've been a Buck hater for most of the year, probably because, you know, my desire for Green Bay to be better, Brady to stop winning, and the fact that the Glazers are crappy owners for my beloved Manchester United. But they are looking strong. No two ways about it. Brady showing what he can do with weapons. The defense is very good. You know, the Saints and them have, have gone in opposite directions, really, since their week one meeting that uh, New Orleans was able to pull out. So I'm going Tampa in this one, and I, I kind of think they roll by them. I, I, I don't think this one's that close. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of have a different view of it. I, I think maybe with some pieces back, I think it'll be a little closer. You know, how healthy is Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders coming back this week? We don't really know. But, you know, I think just the presence of those two gives the Saints something. Emmanuel Sanders has sucked this year. Right, but I think it's a pre- it's a presence on the field. He's not Traquan Smith or Marquez Callaway, you know? Like, there, it's a presence. <laughs> but that's what he's it's been performing like. I'm not saying they win. I'm saying it. I'm just, I'm just saying Emmanuel. Say, I'll give you Michael Thomas, but Emmanuel Sanders has been, he should have been so much better for them and he's been not good. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. I, I you know, he's been injured a little bit too, but I, I agree. He, he definitely has not had a Played him like every game. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But all I'm saying is it's two good receivers in name, if at least respect wise, I think them being on the field helps the saints and helps get a little bit of the emphasis off of Alvin Kamara. I'm not saying all of it. The emphasis is still Alvin Kamara, but I think it does enough 
to get the Saints some space for Kamara to do some damage. Obviously, Kamara, we talked about it, most scrimmage yards um, so far in the league. You know, I, so I think it's a closer game than we expect. Bucks obviously had a rocky game against the Giants. Still found a way to win, which is important for any team, no matter what you know who it's playing against. Antonio Brown comes to town. So here you go, Matt. Here's the one good game you get out of him. You know, it's an important one to get against. Um, so, like, really, it's going to be uh, – I, I think it's going to be the Bucks night. You know, the offense is still cooking. The defense is good, too. Bucks win by a touchdown. Tight game, but they cover the spread. And there you have it. Those are our NFL picks for the week. We're going to talk – Coach of the year now, Jan, get into some power rankings. We're going to zoom by this. I got to go watch the Packers. Jan, tell me right now who you would give Coach of the Year award to. Yeah, I mean, Mike Tomlin, I think that's that's clear for me. I, he, you know, he's one win shy of his 14th consecutive non-losing season. Steelers might go undefeated with how their schedule looks. He brought this team together with great coaching on both sides of the ball. You know, I think Brian Flores with the Dolphins is a dark horse, but I'm going Mike Tomlin with the Steelers. Best team, best coach. Nice, nice. Um, I went, for me, always coach of the year, I'm always like, what were your expectations and, and where have you met them? Um, so I went Cliff Kingsbury. I think a lot of people, like I said, talked about the possibility of Arizona being explosive and, and being a dangerous team uh, and Kyler Murray taking that step. But I, I, they've done it, you know, and Kingsbury got a lot of flack when they got rid of Rosen and they took Kyler Murray and, and did he deserve the job? Um, and so far, the, the experiment of, of, you know, the partnership between him and Kyler Murray has been great, um, particularly with the addition of DeAndre Hopkins. That, that makes your life a lot easier as a quarterback. But I go Cliff Kingsbury for the 5-2 the and two Arizona Cardinals. Jan, let's go power rankings. We'll start with our number five team. We'll each share, go down to one. My number five, I'm going with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady. Jan, who do you have at five? Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. I think they slipped down to five. They stay in the top five, though, for me. They still got so much talent. Number four for me is the Baltimore Ravens as well. Uh, I, I'm, I'm with you. I still think you just you trust that talent. Who you got it for? And I got the Tampa Bay Bucks at four. I think their defense has performed better than the Ravens. I think their quarterback is playing well. I think they're only getting more weapons. So I got the Bucks up at number four. Number three, I'm going with the top NFC team. I'm going with the Seattle Seahawks, led by MVP favorite Russell Wilson. Jan, who's your three? I also have the Seattle Seahawks. I think Russell Wilson's playing really well. The only thing that bothers me is that defense cannot stop anyone. Therefore, they cannot be in the top two. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number two, honestly, I think probably the best team in, in football. And if I had to bet money on the Super Bowl winner, I would put it here. But uh, I, I can't not put the number one team, number one. So number two is Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. Well, you know, I got number two Kansas City too because I've been calling the Steelers the best team all week. It's Kansas City. You know, they don't even need to perform well for me to believe that they're in the top two. Patrick Mahomes killing killing it against the Jets, showing why he's kind of the, the quarterback that everybody looks at. So Kansas City Chiefs at number two. Shall we say the number one together, my friend? It's Three, two, one. Oh, Steelers. Steelers. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice countdown. Uh, yeah, it's up. the Steelers. It's they. I mean, they've got the best offense. You got the veteran quarterback, and you got those young weapons coming out. It's and wins against it's clearly teams, the Steelers. You need. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's been the the fruition of what all could have been. Again, a team that was like, oh man, if if they have been, could they be really good? And the answer so far is yes. Jan, let's get to the cool down section so I can go stress about Green Bay. 
historical fact of the day. I'll go first. It is Guy Fox Day. The origins of Guy Fox Day are actually in celebration of Guy Fox's arrest, um, thereby foiling the gunpowder plot, which was an assassination attempt on King James in 1605. The day itself and, and, and the celebration has gone through a, a bit of a tumultuous history, but now probably mostly associated with its role in the movie and graphic novel V for Vendetta uh, and its an ensuing use with the hacker group Anonymous and now kind of just being a symbol of opposition to, to, to totalitarianism. But uh, yes, happy Guy Fox Day. Jan, what's Fox your historical Day. fact of the day? It's so funny. Every time you go historical non-sports, I go historical sports and vice versa. Perfect. And we've nice. done it again. We we've don't even it time it. Here. No, we don't really. Time uh, it. Today, oh. We don't even plan it. We don't time it either, but we word. don't even plan it. Oh, my goodness. The world's guilty, man. The world's guilty. No, but on this day, November 5th in 1995, George Foreman became the oldest heavyweight champion ever at the age of 45. He defeated 26-year-old Michael Moore in a 10-round battle. Moore was 35-0 and 0 going into that fight. So classic fight, George Foreman, classic boxer, and uh, congratulations once again. It's it's been a while, but you still deserve the plaudits. <laughs> Absolutely, I didn't. I know most of us only know you for your amazing grills now, but you were a terrific boxer and terrific job by that George Foreman. What a what a guy! <laughs> what a guy! What a guy! <laughs> all right, I I don't know why I did this and, and tortured us with this question because now I all I want. That. Yeah. yeah, now all I want is Thanksgiving food, but Jan, tell me what your favorite Thanksgiving food is. Right. Well, I come from a, a group of immigrants. You know, my mom's Bolivian, my dad's German. So Thanksgiving is something we inherited technically, but we, and excuse my language, we fuck it up for Thanksgiving. I We just make Hell all yes. of food. And, uh, you know, I got a classic as my favorite. It's the stuffing, my dude. The stuffing covered with gravy. That yes. is where it's at. I don't like raisins in it, but whatever. I'll take raisins if you absolutely need. Um, no raisins. Yeah. Uh, I like mashed potatoes too. Uh, I, before you answer, or maybe this is with your answer, do, uh, cranberries, how do we feel? I like, I, I'll like, you know, I'll, I'll mess with them, but they're not really, I, I usually, I usually don't. If, like my preference is I'm like, I'm, I'm good on the cranberries. Yeah. Same, 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 yeah. same. Um, but yeah, my answer was stuffing because like, it's so rich, such a great like comfort food and, and everything. But it's also it's one of those foods where like I only ever have it at Thanksgiving. Like there's some, you know, dishes that you're like you'll make each holiday. Like we got some things that we have Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter. You know, stuffing is it's just Thanksgiving and it's so good. And you got you just have to take advantage of it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, I'm doing Friendsgiving somewhere, I think. And if there's no stuffing, I'm gonna riot. I'm gonna riot. <laughs> I'll bring it. Don't worry. Okay, Jan, turn up the heat. Let's fly through some quick fire questions. Quick fire, quick time questions. All righty. What do you think is the best conference in college football? Ugh. Oh, that's hard. And you know, you know, you you want it, it seems close. I'm still going to say SEC. I, I still think it's the SEC. You know, I I there's a I know that there's a lot of storylines, but you know, I think the fact that Florida and Georgia are still in it with one loss, you know, I, I think shows kind of the power of them. So I, I still think it's the SEC. Yeah, I like I always hate being the SEC, but even in the years where like the SEC, you don't like it doesn't look like they might have as much depth or what have you. Like the top teams are always so, so good that you're just like, how do you how do you pick another conference? 
Uh, next yeah, question <laughs> is a fun one. So, oh. you know, go ahead and cool down the hot seat. I want you to tell me who your favorite Hawkeye football player to watch was. My favorite Hawkeye football player to watch. Oh, um, okay. I want to pick George Kittle, but that's too obvious for me, obviously. So I'm going to plus, plus he's, he like, he was fun at Iowa, but like, he's been a lot more fun to watch in the pros than his Iowa days. For sure. I'm going to go with, I really liked Marcus Coker back in the day, running back. Nice. I, he was yeah, a grinder. From Maryland. Back- Oh yeah. Grinder loved him. He just had a tenacity about him that you want Iowa running backs to have. Uh, and I, yeah, I'm going to go with Marcus Carr. Desmond King is a, is a slight second, but I, I am going to go Marcus Coker. Marcus Coker, Marcus Coker was a beast and like dominated as a freshman. And then I can't, I can't remember all what happened, but there was, there was a time where we just could not keep running backs for more than one year. All right, final quick fire question. Far, far in the future, the year is 2026. Oh my gosh. What, what are the prospects for the co host nation, the United States, at the World Cup? Are they group favorites? Are they World Cup contenders? Are they a team that will underwhelm uh, in their performances, host nation, South Africa being the only one so far to not make it? to the knockout stage. What's the USA's teams at like realistic expectations at the 2026 world cup. Not only are these realistic expectations, I'm calling it now the U S makes the quarterfinals in a fantastic run in the, let's go. They, you look at the talent they have everywhere, especially in the German Bundesliga, but also in England, also for, for other teams in the Serie A. In Lo- I mean, they are, have talent all over the place. These kids are growing up. They're getting bought by big team. Weston McKinney moving to Juventus, obviously not having the season yet that he wants to. But, you know, you have these players being noticed by more than just the teams that farm them out. And, and I think the goalkeepers are doing well. The defense is kind of where I'm at, like where does that go? But I think 2026, you'll have enough leadership from the old guard with these talented, talented young guys. I think this is surprise some people. Do I think they're contenders? Not necessarily, but I think you see a return to the quarterfinals for the U.S., just like Landon Donovan led them in 2002. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's always hard to call a team, especially like where the USA just is historically like to ever really call them a contender unless they really like show it out, you know? Um, but uh, yeah, I mean like I, this team has, has the talent right now. Like, I mean, some of it, as you say, kind of has to come to fruition and, and show out over the next few years, but um, it, it's all there. And I, it, the biggest thing too, I think is, is Pulisic. Like you, you have a star like that. That's a guy who, even if you're, not quite as good. Like when we played Belgium, when when they were just just a little bit better than than the United States, that's the kind of player that can make up that difference and win games for you because they can just do stuff on their own. And as good as Donovan and Dempsey and and you know the myriad of United States players we've had have been, we've never had a player that can do that. So hopefully, twenty twenty six, we can uh, give some some pride here. And uh, make a nice deep run, but I, I think quarterfinals is, is certainly a legitimate um, expectation and, and possibility. So here's hoping. Yeah, guys, here's thank hoping. you so much for joining us. As always, please stay safe, take care of yourself, wear a mask, take a break from checking results every five seconds because 
It's uh, I know I'm doing it. Uh, It'll kill you. Yep, it will. Jan, what else do you have for the lovely people? Oh, you know, just wear a mask, stay safe, be kind to yourself. And as always, listen to the Two Beers Please podcast. Cheers, y'all.